And now it's time to hand this over to God's three messengers for tonight's teleservice. Sherry, are you on the line? I am, Mary. Hey, Thank you. You're Hello. welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mary, for those prayers. I know oh, they touch me in a personal way, and I'm sure our listeners as well. You're a beautiful oh, channel for Holy you. Spirit. Thank you, thank Sherry. You. Thank you. Thank you. Penny Jordana, are you here with us? I'm here. Awesome. I'm here. Welcome. Yay. Welcome Yay. to all of our listeners. We thank you for being with us as we open our hearts to you this evening. Jordana, can you offer us a prayer to open our topic, please? I would love to. (laughs) Thank you. Most holy and loving God, we are here in prayer together to bask in the light of your presence and be saturated in the warmth of your love. Soften our edges as your grace forms us. We do release all our limitations for the magnificent touches of the Holy Spirit. Keep us true. Touch us now with your healing hands. Touch our soul with your compassion. Touch our hearts with your courage. Touch our minds with your clarity and wisdom. Blessed Holy Mother, bring renewed health into our bodies and spirit that we may serve you with all our strength. We allow your grace to flow in and through us now. Thank you today for the gift of life. Amen. And so it is. Beautiful prayer. It is. That was a beautiful lead-in for our topic, Jordana. Thank you. you. So our our theme for this evening is Feel It to Heal It, Journey to Freedom. This is a big topic. (laughs) It's of great importance, and it's deeply personal for the three of us and for all who choose to take this journey This journey requires a willingness to participate in our own healing, and it plays a really significant role with our emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. So we'll be sharing this evening some of our present ongoing learnings from childhood and other past experiences where situations may have been less than ideal for us. This exploration involves one's willingness to be seen and vulnerable, and as Jordana mentioned in her beautiful prayer, to be courageous. Because the hiding, once you embark on this journey, that was in the past, but now we can be warriors on our individual healing journeys. 
So I wanted to just share a little bit about what I had mentioned in the write-up for this theme was the nine-week process because Jordana and Penny and I have all taken this workshop. So some and possibly many of you have taken the process as well, as I mentioned we have. I'd like to share a little bit of an opening or an overview of the process work. So during this workshop, we take a look at whatever traits, characteristics, behaviors that we learned in childhood and are no longer possibly serving us now. This doesn't mean that we had a bad childhood, but it is not perfect for any of us. We all have traits that are less than ideal. Oftentimes, they're ones that we're not even aware of, but other people are. We all have a blind spot that we're not aware of. And this work is about freeing ourselves from our habits so they don't keep coming back. By bringing them to the surface, it offers an opening for feeling and healing that which we have buried, possibly held on to, or both. We have a new choice as some of our past choices may not be serving us anymore. The process goes deep. It deals with bringing up buried feelings to be worked on, to shift, to heal, to transform, to free our beings bit by bit. And that's the key, (laughs) bit by bit. Because nothing happens overnight And healing is a journey of a lifetime and beyond. And it's somewhat of like peeling an onion. It's layer by layer. Little bits we can change and we can heal. Brene Brown, just going to share one little piece that she says. Of all the things that trauma takes away from us, The worst is our willingness or even our ability to be vulnerable. And this certainly rings true for me with expressing and sharing my feelings and experiences and for maybe some of you. When I was growing up, I learned it felt safer to stuff in all of my feelings rather than feel them due to some childhood experiences that felt scary for me. This is why I couldn't feel. I created a belief system that bad things would happen if I'm not perfect or good enough. Since childhood, if I'm in a scary situation, this neuropathway gets activated and I lose my light, and I leave my body. But now I'm going into my learning about the shades of gray 
where previously I could only see black and white. I'm learning that it's okay to be scared. Even if I'm not perfect, I can still have my light. So I wanted to share with you, one day last year, I was at Good Earth, and I looked up at the ceiling, and I saw this female-looking creation made out of what looked like sticks. And this creation had longer hair that was made of sticks as well. As I stared at this, I started laughing so hard, and I said to Irit, who was with me, look, that's me when I leave my body, because there was this stick-figured female-looking being up on the ceiling, and we just laughed and laughed, and then I said, and she has no parachute, no way to get down. This was such a great learning for me, a great awareness to be compassionate for myself because leaving my body had always made me feel not good enough. So this experience really taught me to bring humor into this piece. And I'm learning every day to bring humor into my pieces. Sometimes I need reminders to do that. But The humor helps lighten the discomfort, and it offers the opening for joy, which aids in our healing. I can vividly remember Ron Roth telling us, don't take yourself so seriously as no one else does. A frequent reminder for me. Penny, I believe that you have some experiences to share with us including joy with a neighbor and some reflections of oneness on the mountain. Look forward to hearing about that. Right. Hi, everyone. So first of all, because I've recently just completed the process, I'm still processing it very deeply. I'm in a space of vulnerability. And so I'm going to ask you to help me with something first. And that is, I have this beautiful Rumi quote from a gifted calendar, and I would just ask for everyone's support when I read this as our ministry of light comes to me to give me some help. This is what it says. You have that quality that God has. When you enter a house at night, it glows with many lamps being lit. I ask and call in all those lamps that are already lit. (laughs) But anyway, thank you. My first experience with CLM was in 2002 when I attended Spiritual Healing Intensive. And in that space, for the first time in my life, I felt an undeniable presence. I learned from Ron that it was the Holy Spirit the energizing aspect of God, and as he said, the one that gets things done. He sometimes even referred to it in the feminine sense. And then he said at times, this is no longer the Holy 
Holy Ghost of his childhood that comes out and says, boo. So I love the joy and the belly laughs that came with that deep work of opening our hearts and healing the wounds of the past. I felt it all. I'm still feeling it all. And so one of his famous wisdom lines for me just kept coming through as I was preparing for this. And it was, if I push your buttons, they're your buttons to confront. And all of this was done in the presence of a benevolent God who loves us without question. That was Ron's greatest mission, I think, for us. Loves us without question. Faith or no faith. Come give it a road test, he would say. And that was 21 years ago. And I am here to tell you, he definitely awakened the essence in me and the divine spark in our ministry of light. Ron's work paralleled with the work of Sri Bhagavan in India, Ron discovered when Bhagavan came to him in a dream and summoned him to come to one university in India to help humanity be relieved of suffering. Many of us followed, knowing that the work was parallel. And my experience, one of the greatest things I took from that was the teaching life is relationships with everyone, our partners, our families, our communities, our work, our country, our nation, our planet. And I'm so grateful that the rituals there gave us a chance to walk in the shoes of our parents to make peace with our past. And for me, having done that in 2006 and 2012, I then finally came to the process and the process and the process gave me the tools and support I needed to move forward with the healing that I felt still needed to be done. And as I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm still processing all this very deeply, having just finished it a few months ago. But everything that Sherry said in terms of healing after she did it, much of that applies to me and all of the work that I've done and received in terms of healing that is going on with the tools I'm now able to integrate. One example, Sherry, I think you wanted me to share about Clara. And Clara is my little, is that right? Yes. Clara is my little three-year-old neighbor who I've had a strong relationship with since she was in her stroller. She's timeless. And she came to my house on Halloween for trick-or-treat with her parents. She had a little lighted-up necklace with her own little battery-operated control, and she was just full of joy and wonder. And I spoke with her and her parents for a few minutes, and then Clara just boldly walked across my into my living room, across the threshold of my front door, into the living room, right to the table with the light, with the treats and the candles that I had handed with Halloween candles surrounding the treats. And she just went right there and picked up one treat. And it was like she was just in heaven. And for me, it's, it's a little hard. Words are insufficient to express this, but this was like such 
a tremendous feeling for me watching this beautiful little child confidently come into a stranger's home and take a treat in the light with the support of her wonderful parents. And for me, being raised to be, children are raised to be seen and not heard. And that was my conditioning and my limitations. And I actually felt the healing of my inner child as I watched this beautiful little girl just in all of her support and confidence and light. And her light and mine just kind of came together and merged as one. It's a beautiful experience. And the other thing I wanted to say is something came to me last night that I decided to share instead, which was as I was obsessing about this time with you all today, I turned on the TV because I was looking for something, but the Grammys were on. And what I saw that melted my heart was Joni Mitchell singing Both Sides Now as a an 80-year-old woman. I first heard this song in 1966, but as an 80-year-old woman speaking of the change in perspective she's had, let's see, it would be about, I don't know, 40 or 50 years since she first came on the scene. But since then, she's learned to walk three times. In 2015, she healed from a brain aneurysm. And now she sang this song for all the world to witness in the most amazing love and grace at the age of 80. Joni Mitchell on the Grammys, both sides now. It melted my heart, and I hope it will melt your hearts too. This is about as much as I can say right now. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I love you so much. Amen. What a beautiful sharing. Thank you, Penny. I watched that piece last night as well on Joni Mitchell, and that was just a lovely unfolding of her grace and her light and joy that's still present with her, even, as you say, through all of the challenges that she's had over the last several years. I also appreciate you mentioning the buttons when our buttons are pushed and we're triggered to look at what is there for us to work on. And then, of course, the innocence of little Clara. I know that I could relate when my children were growing up and I feel like pieces of my childhood that I missed out on, I kind of lived through them. So thank you so much. And I know, Jordana, you have a piece to share with us on pre-process work and also a letter of personal insight. So we thank you. Thank you. I'd like to share a quote by Ron Lovett, who's the co-founder of the Process for Personal Change. Most people are in a prison from their childhood, and rather than move out, they would prefer to decorate their cell. When I first heard this quote, my whole body tingled. I chose this quote as I spent most of my life in the prison of my childhood. I knew I was in it. I didn't know exactly how much I was, it was consuming me, but I was in awareness, hell, and I definitely didn't know how to break out. As part of my pre-processed 
preparation, I was asked to draw a childhood family picture. I drew a house with four rooms. Each of my immediate family members were in separate rooms, four walls, door shut. There was one room with the door open that led into the garden with a young child, perhaps three years old, who was I, it was I, playing outside in the garden with the birds and flowers. She was completely immersed in her light, in her joy. The picture accurately depicted who I am of the light. And it showed a part of me stepping out of this family into the light. My subconscious drew this picture. This was a very simple sketch that was drawn in a couple minutes. When I drew it, I wasn't thinking about what I was drawing. I was doing the pre-process assignment that I didn't unpack until the end of the process. When I think of this scene now, I feel a rare and uncelebrated courage. I feel the light holding me and the deep connection to presence, the deepest source of love, true and unwavering, that comes from the divine and can only be met from within and can never be taken away. I have a short letter to read you and then some comments on it. The story is told that one day a small child came home from school and gave a letter to his mother. He said, my teacher gave this letter to me and told me that only you can read it. What does it say? Her eyes welled up with tears as she read this letter out loud to her child. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have the good enough teachers to train him. Please teach him yourself. Many years after the child's mother had died, he became one of the greatest inventors of the century. century. When he was going through a closet, he found the folded letter from his old teacher. He opened it up and found the true message written on the letter. Your son is mentally deficient. We cannot let him attend this school. He is expelled. The child's name was Thomas A. Edison, and this is a true story. I'm going to take a few breaths because I'm shaking. I'm so deeply touched when I hear of a mother stand to protect her child. How powerful other people's beliefs and concepts are if we let them define us. My childhood programming, our childhood programming is deep. My parents taught me that my love was dependent on how others view me. And this trapped me as I could not let the pain out or you would love me less. I took on my parents' unlovability and other negative traits to be accepted by them. Anytime I played outside of my box of dark, I was punished. I developed a concept that the light means bad things happen. 
so much of this is pre-verbal that when those scenes to this, it's just sensation. I spent my life trying to show others how lovable they are and was so starved of love, starved of my own connection to my light. Pain travels down through generations until somebody is ready to feel it. I was born with a gift of feeling. Pain demands to be felt. You cannot heal the pain that you refuse to feel. This is a courageous, hard journey that I am honored to take. There was years and years and years of hard work, many hours, lots of brilliant support, even before I did the process. There was a lot that needed to happen to prepare me to have the strength to go through the process of personal change. And once I did, that blew the door wide open for me. Well, actually, it was more like a mystical explosion. It blew so much up. I could go very deep and wide to release the roots of some very old hurts. The key is this time I was going through it with support of some of the most incredible beings I've ever met, the compassionate therapists of the process of personal change. I learned to separate from my parents' negativity, not just physically, but psychically and emotionally. It's the path of a warrior who never gives up while confronting what is difficult. I learned to continue to fight and stand for the parts of myself that no one ever did. It's a path of self-compassion and resilience. The healing entities of light, celebrating life ministry retreats, the foundation for spiritual development, and my personal healing team in body and in spirit deeply support me in this continuous work. It takes a massive ongoing commitment. Mary Magdalene is one of my guides, and these are some of her words that she speaks to me. And this is what I want for you, to hear and feel the limitless love and wisdom of the truth inside you, to know and trust the voice of your own soul so much that you let it guide you from within. Amen. Wow, what a beautiful, tender, and vulnerable sharing, Jordana. And I love how your child found safety in in all of the living outside and That's where she felt so held and loved. And I can relate to that piece as a child as well. And you're sharing on the mother's unwavering love for her child. To know that that child was a blessed being of light and to take that child under her wing and teach it and, and raise it on her own is is a beautiful selfless act of love because we know it took a lot more of her time to do that. So what a beautiful gift. Thank you for your sharing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sherry. 
one of my big learnings is boundaries. I'll just speak on boundaries with my family. I have been in a partnership with my husband for 40 years, and I have to be honest and say, I, for many of those years, I did not have a lot of boundaries. So with my family overall, and boundaries are not easy when you haven't learned them. <laughs> so this has been a big learning for me. Since childhood, I would go into pleasing as a way of making myself feel better so I don't have to feel scared. I was scared if I didn't please. I then became a smother mother with my own children. So I was an over-pleaser with them. I overprotected. I overextended myself. And I was the same with my husband as far as being a pleaser and my parents. And this all went on until a few years ago when this almost took my life. So being a pleaser, it's really an unconscious program that I'm working on every day. I'm so grateful that I have a wonderful support team and I receive a lot of help. I'm learning that, I'm actually, I'm learning not to help at the expense of myself and to create boundaries by giving me what I need for health and my well-being. And it feels really good to take care of me, to know that I matter, that I'm loved, and my needs matter. So kindness and gentleness for myself is as important, if not more, than sharing it with others. Because we have to be well. We have to feel well. We have to live well in order to be able to serve. I'd like to share this poem from Donna Markova. This was given to me by my process therapist. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart, until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom. And that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. This poem reflects for me 
how I want to live more and more. There's an energy in the words, an opening to the possibilities of change and freedom. Sometimes I am living in these awarenesses, and other times I hit roadblocks. I get thrown off course. Old habits show themselves, which is another reminder for me that I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes that sometimes feel like I'm giving birth all over again, literally. And it's painful. It's not easy. But it's so worth it. And I have a curiosity to keep moving forward. So I press on. Each time I get stuck, I have a new insight or awareness about myself that comes through that I can work on shifting and healing and the work goes on. I'd like to ask Penny at this time, do you have a a few minutes of something you'd like to share your journey with your steps to the process? Sure. A couple of things. I share this in the commencement ceremony, which, by the way, I felt so seen and heard and so supported. It was so wonderful having dear ones there to support me along with all of the dear process therapists. But when I first took the workshop in 2020 and waited for the right time to actually do the process, I actually, by the time I signed up and I changed the date a couple of times, I had a big project with my HOA here in my building that I changed the dates on so that I could focus on the project. And as I was at home convalescing from COVID, I had time to reflect and I realized that I wanted to commit to doing the process, even though I had this big, huge project here with my building. And what was so fascinating was by the time, I'd say within a week of my committing and signing up to do it, the project dropped off until the spring. And to me, that was just God's work, giving me what I needed, but not until I made the commitment to do it. And when I started it and looked back at the notes from the 2020 workshop, what was so interesting were three of the experiences that were the most difficult in my life and held the greatest charge. They were in my notes from 2020, which I don't think I saw until actually I had written them out in the 2023 fall process. So to me, that was those steps were long and hard, but a great example of when you commit to something and it's really aligned for you to do it, you often get help. And I was really grateful for that. And one other thing that I wanted to say that I was going to mention about being on the mountain was something a little funny. This was after the process was over, and I was in the Canadian Rockies with my family. I was standing at the bottom of the ski slopes in the snow, and my daughter took a picture of me, and I showed it to someone later because I was really taking in the essence of, of the all that is. 
And I was asked, why are your legs crossed? And I said, huh? Why are your legs crossed? I said, oh, I was posing. And for me, that was really huge. Without missing a beat, I just acknowledged exactly what I was doing. I was posing. I had my legs crossed, so I looked, I don't know, skinnier or better or something. <laughs> and I spoke my truth. But what's been very helpful is seeing why, why I was posing and realizing that what I was really doing there after the process, taking it all in, and looking up and seeing the flow of life, three different runs coming together, people going up and down, and the snow on the mountains and the snow in the trees and the blue sky. It was the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere I looked. And as I'm speaking now, I have goosebumps. And I remember Ron used to say, if you have goosebumps or tears, that's the divine presence coming through you. <laughs> so... Although I can't really speak about the deepest parts yet, and I acknowledge that this was a funny, humorous thing that came to me, and I, I understood why. And But at the same time, that trip was like the trip of a lifetime, my reward for doing the very difficult and hard work of the process with the help of the Holy Spirit the whole time. So I'm... I'm very, very grateful that I had the opportunity to be one with nature and one with the all that is, and that's where I'm continuing to stay. So thank you. Thank you. I love that, Penny. That's that's really fun, and I'm how wonderful that you treated yourself to that beautiful getaway after all the hard work, as we know. <laughs> that the process is, how beautiful to then be able to just relax and be and allow all of that to just flow through your being while you're enjoying vacation time with your family. Thank you. Jordana, do you have another short sharing or? I do, yeah. Yeah? That's your yeah. garden? Yeah. <laughs> so... After a few months of moving into my current apartment, the owner took out this tree that was in my courtyard, and it was a central part of the garden. I felt a loss and very exposed that the tree was gone. And one day I walked into the garden, and I knew that it was time to create a beautiful healing sanctuary. I went to the local garden store, and while I was choosing plants, I met a wonderful lady who worked there who was available to come and help me garden. And over, over time, a very sweet garden was created, which I dedicated to Mother Mary, calling it Mary's Garden. Months later, I met the landlord in the driveway, and he stopped and looked at me and teared up and he said that garden Jordana looks so beautiful and no one has ever done anything so kind on this property before he asked about the flowers that were planted and I noticed after that he was buying flowers and planting more flowers in his own garden and this loops around to my very first share of the garden 
It's a place where I feel the light. It's a place where I feel God's nearness and voice from a very young age. It's a place where I can simply be held in God's embrace and talk to my heart. And I have this very sweet little story about a four-year-old little girl called Sati that I'd like to read next. Soon after her brother was born, little Sati began to ask her parents to leave her alone with the new baby. They were worried that like most four-year-olds, she might be jealous, so they said no. But she she showed no signs of jealousy. She treated the baby with kindness and her pleas to be left alone with him became more urgent. They decided to allow it. Elated, she went into the baby's room and shut the door, but it opened a crack enough for her curious parents to peek in and listen. They saw little Sachi walk quietly up to her baby brother, put her face close to his, and say quietly, Baby, tell me what God feels like. I'm starting to forget. Wow, that's beautiful. And we do start to forget at times. And then we go back in and we tap the light again. Yeah. And then we forget and get into our, our busy days. And then we tap the light again. It's a constant practice. Thank you, Jordana. Mm-hmm. We're going to offer closing prayers now, beginning with Jordana. or I'm sorry, beginning with Penny and then Jordana. And then I will follow up after that. Thank you. Speaking of vessels and the work of becoming a vessel, a sacred container to carry the energy of light, love, Holy Spirit. This is the prayer of the chalice. I've adapted a little adapted it a little bit. Holy Spirit, to thee I raise my whole being, a vessel emptied of self. Accept, dear one, this is my emptiness, and so fill me with thyself, thy light, thy love, thy life, thy joy, celebration, even belly laughs, (laughs) that these thy precious gifts may radiate through me and overflow the chalice of my heart into the hearts of all with whom I come in contact this day, revealing unto them the beauty of thy joy and wholeness and, again, light and love and the serenity of thy peace, your peace, beloved Holy Spirit, which nothing can destroy. Amen. Holy Spirit. That was beautiful, Penny. Thank you. Jordana, you have a prayer for us? Yes. Holy Spirit, you pierced a hole through the veil, the thick veil of delusion and pulled us through into your holy presence. 
We pray that our path continue to be a path of light, that each breath and step be taken in full faith and trust in the light of love and the power of truth. We pray that our hearts remain absorbed and one with the Spirit of God. Amen. Beautiful. Just take that into our hearts. Both of those lovely prayers speak to our souls. God of light, thank you for the love and wisdom you brought through for each one of our listeners tonight. And the continuous unfolding that we will receive in the days to come. May all be gentle with themselves as new possibilities for growth, expansion, and healing come forth. May your holy light and each person's guides and angels reveal to them the next steps with their process, including who to reach out to for support and guidance, because we know we cannot do this work alone on this earth. I call forth now healing angels to minister to those with back pain, those with knee injuries and pain in the kneecaps, inflammation, those with brain fog, whether this may be lingering from COVID or otherwise. For those who feel lost and are searching for the light, guide their way, angels, and anoint them with a healing balm for all who are experiencing any of the above mentioned. We pray into this with God, Holy Spirit, light and grace. Amen. Amen. And we thank each one of our listeners for being with us, for hearing our hearts, for hopefully opening yours, for heeding your own individual calls, for listening, for that guidance, for your courage in changing what maybe is no longer serving you. Know that you are not alone. There is support and you can reach out and take that next step whenever you're ready. Thank you, God, for everything. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And thank you, 
our program is now coming to an end. We're grateful that you decided to tap in this evening and join us. We thank you for opening your hearts and letting the light shine in. Thank you to Penny and Jordana for co-hosting with me. Thank you again, Mary, for your beautiful opening prayers. Thank you to Pat, our tech, that was on with us earlier. Thank you to Celebrating Life Ministries, which is a family of love and support with our Archbishop, Padre Paul Funson, and our bishops, Dana, Bobby, and Renee. And remember that they, too, are always here to support us, to guide us, to listen to us. So don't hesitate to reach out when you're looking for a listening ear. They will be there for you. Thank you all, and good night.